exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop Children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down I'm C.J. Layton coming to you from inside the Phantom Radio Studios in Lake Wales, Florida home of the premier radio bowling talk show. Long ago, Bowler's Journal International called Phantom Radio a pioneer in the field of bowling podcasts because the show was regularly scheduled at the same time each week. The late Kegel owner, the great John Davis, told Len Nicholson to start this program because, quote, people need to know what you know, end quote. This PBA and bowling writer Hall of Famer has now recorded over 1,200 shows and has featured over 425 guests since 2002. 20 years plus of bowling knowledge, story sharing, and true expertise. Phantom, we need to know what you know. So Phantom fans, here's your host, Len Nicholson, the Phantom. Well, thank you, CJ. And a reminder that Phantom Radio is presented by the Kegel Company, the number one lane maintenance company in the world. For all of your lane maintenance needs, including 24-hour technical support, you can always count on the Cable Company. So go to Kegel.net. Well, Phantom fans, this week's guest has been here before, and he is one of the smartest bowling people that I know. And currently... He is the executive vice president of the Kegel Chemical Division and has developed many different lane oils and lane cleaners, along with many other products, including a variety of pet cleaners. He also worked for the Florida Department of Agriculture in the pesticide residue lab. So let's get him out here, see what he's up to. So Phantom fans, here is Dennis Shears. Hello, Dennis. How you doing, Pards? Hey, good, Phantom. Did you have a wonderful Easter celebration? I hope. I hope everyone did who's listening. You know, I really did, and uh, I live in a adult senior community here, and about four ladies across the street and down the street all bought me uh, some chocolate Easter eggs. I got to watch my cholesterol, but yeah, it was a wonderful day. Very peaceful, at least in this area. How about you guys? Uh, it was excellent. I was a little under the weather. So for me, it's, I think it's the first Easter. I didn't go to church uh, in quite a long time. So I'm still getting over whatever I had, but uh, I'm grateful to be on with you today. Well, I'm glad you're here too, Pards. Uh, I've been looking forward to this. And, uh, you know, I think I should interject a little bit of thought here about you and your Easter church and all that. But I know you became a pastor and are you still giving uh, gospels and all that kind of talks? <laughs> yes, I still preach a few times a year, about seven or eight times a year, and I have a weekly message, uh, like you, Phantom. Uh, I get on and go live stream on social media uh, every, each and every Tuesday at six o'clock. Well, do you have a website where you list any of this stuff? Sure. If they want to check out my weekly message, it is at Heartland Christian Church, Sebring, Florida. Just look it up on Facebook or YouTube and it'll pop up. We broadcast on both. Fantastic. Uh, I know what kind of a person you are, and I know that you probably 
more than likely send along a great message because I know what kind of a wonderful family man you are. And uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about your wife, Margie. How's she doing? She is doing fantastic. And uh, she's one that keeps me well-grounded and everything. So very, very grateful and blessed to have her in my life. She's, she's, if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be where I'm at. So that's the best <laughs> way to put that. Well, there's a lot of truth to that, that, uh, you know, behind every great man is a great woman. And I really do believe that. But Barnes, uh, you've been here many times, and everybody knows that you went to Florida State, and you were on the bowling team. Uh, what they don't know is how you met the founder of Kegel, the great John Davis. And that's just a wonderful story. If you don't mind, can you tell us about how that meeting came about? Sure. Uh, I was bowling for Florida State. This is my last year bowling in 1996, uh, intercollegiate bowling championships in Kansas City. And it just so happened that uh, John Davis's son went to Florida State. Now, he wasn't bowling uh, in that championship, but uh, he was there with his father who had in lanes. On our way into the elevator, I was introduced to him, and we chatted on the elevator for a while. I told him about my background, that I worked in a bowling center. I did lanes by hand with the uh, old towel and tea bar and uh, then the key, and I worked in back, and I worked in a pro shop, and I was a bowler. And when we got off the elevator, he looked at me and said, let me get this straight. You're a bowler, you worked at a bowling center, and you're a chemist. I've got a job for you. And that's when I actually met you, Lenny. He called me up and brought me down to his first foundation meeting, and I'm sitting there with uh, you and John Forrest and John Davis wondering, why am I here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that was a perfect deal for, for John, too, because he killed about three birds with one stone uh, getting you because of your background in, in bowling, doing lanes, <laughs> and being a chemist. Uh, and soon thereafter, you guys developed the oils and cleaners that are taking over pretty much worldwide. But uh, I know you've had a lot of experience doing all that, and, and there's nobody better at it, Parnes. But, you know, in, in the opening, I mentioned that you worked at one time for the Florida State of Agriculture in the pesticide lab. I'm sure that took up a lot of testing. So what kind of testing did you do there? So we were responsible for um, basically uh, testing all the uh, produce uh, that was bought and sold in the grocery stores in Florida. And in particular, my role was part of the USDA program of what they called the lunchbox program, which were what you would send your kids to school with, uh, bananas, oranges, apples, carrots, all those things. And our goal there was to uh, make sure that we had good, good, safe, good, safe things going uh, into the kids' lunchboxes. And we tested for, tested for pesticide residues. Uh, you know, and I can go, I can run down the whole list, but I don't want to go through all the names of them. But the goal there was to make sure that the, the, the food going out, the consumers was safe. Yeah, especially the produce. Yeah, I can imagine there's a whole lot of different kinds of poisons and all that. If you didn't control that, we'd have some really uh, terrible epidemics going on, right? Exactly. You know, people always ask me, they said, do you, uh, do you look for organic food? I said, well, Actually, I look for where it's grown first, and then I look to see if it's organic. So uh, Florida and California are two of the strictest states in the U.S. as far as pesticide use goes, and uh, so I look for stuff from Florida and California frequently. Cool. All right. Well, when you came to Kegel, um, if you don't mind, tell us some of the difficulties that you found when you were putting together all the materials they had to deal with when they'd come in from the plant. Uh, you know, you get a lot of raw materials, 
and you just couldn't put them all together every time because I remember you telling everybody that you know sometimes you get things that are a little bit different, so you had to match them up to make sure you're making the same kind of oil month after month and week after week. So what were some of those difficulties? I mean, just like anything, they're they're manufacturing the raw materials we get, so there's going to be some fluctuation that they allow for, and um, we have to allow for those tolerances as well that, you know, sometimes the, the mineral oil viscosity is a, a little bit lower. Sometimes the mineral oil viscosity is a little bit higher. Uh, sometimes some of these additives we use are so small uh, that they can make just a small fraction of percent makes a, a minute difference. You know, if you're cooking something and you get just a little bit too much salt, it makes a big difference. Or I can give you the biblical one, you know, a little bit of yeast uh, spoils the whole batch, basically. Wow. <laughs> it works through the whole dough. It doesn't take, doesn't take much. So from that, it's just trying to keep an eye on the properties and making sure you're adjusting. Like you would if you were cooking at home, paying attention to what you're, you're making to keep it coming out the same. Well, you know, I remember uh, we had something that was very unique. Uh, you had ways to test it to make sure it was okay. And then you had guys out there bowling on it to tell about the ball reaction from this batch to the last batch. Then you took tapes and you made all kind of, uh, not adjustments, but uh, ways to see it, it, if everything was the same. And I don't think any other company's ever done that. Uh, do you have any knowledge of that? Yep, we still do it today. We test every batch in the lab and on the lane because in the lab we can test all the physical characteristics, viscosity, surface tension, density, uh, but it's always hard to get an idea on how it's going to perform or, or play when you get on the lanes. And so that's what we use the boulders for. And I know someone asked us before why we didn't use throwbots. I said, throwbots can't tell you anything about it where the bowlers can. And so we use the specto data and, uh, what the, and the bowlers feedback to make sure the batches are good, each and every batch. You know, um, I'm an old timer. When I started doing the lanes out on the tour back in the very early 70s, uh, basically the lane oils were just mineral oil with, a little bit of alcohol in there so it would thin it down so it would get through the wick. And then once it got out to the lane, uh, the alcohol would uh, you know, dissipate and you just had the bare oil on the lane. But as time has gone by and the balls have got stronger and stronger, uh, you've had to add some additives to the oil. And uh, I don't, I'm not sure, I don't know anything about it, but just what I've learned and picked up you know, listening to you on the side uh, sometimes you got several different uh, additives in the oil, and some of them you only get a little bit each month. And, and if that doesn't sell, uh, they they send it away. They disregard it. They don't use it anymore. And that's another thing that you have to adjust for because they might discontinue part of the items that you're using every month, right? Well, yeah, and, to, and especially in today's supply chain right now, it's uh... – it's a crazy market. Uh, if anybody's in business, they know exactly what I'm talking about. But we use a lot more than just mineral oil. Some of, I think the condition we have with the most materials in it has 14 different components in there to change friction characteristics, to provide a barrier protection for these heavy for these uh, um, ball high hooking balls to protect the lanes better and to provide good lane play. So yeah, there's a lot that goes into it compared to uh, uh, when you were taking care of lanes on tour. <laughs> Boy, you're telling me. <laughs> hey, Bard, don't wait to hang on for a minute. Um, we've got a new sponsor last few weeks. Uh, I want to announce it because he, he said that uh, if we did this, he would give me one of his items. And uh, 
I told him I can't take anything free, but I will buy some from you. But uh, we have a special announcement to make. So get your pencils and paper ready. Uh, here's your chance to get a one-of-a-kind souvenir. It's a brand-new Glenn Allison 900 shirt and enjoy a discount from Phantom Radio. Well, this 900 shirt has an image of Glenn on it saying, 900, I did it. So call his friend and manager, Jerry Hale, to order this beautiful shirt. And that number is 714-309-7587. And be the first in your area to get this historic souvenir shirt. So once again, call Jerry at 714-309-7587. And have a great day. And be sure to mention Phantom Radio for your discount. All right, Dennis, we're back from that short break. And, you know, as you probably know, I'm sure you follow the game still. Uh, there's been some problems recently with some bowling balls on the tour and even in pro shops that are coming out a little bit softer than they were supposed to be. Uh, have you heard about this? And if so, uh, do you have any comments? Yes, I've been following that one quite closely. As a matter of fact, we uh, at Kegel went out and bought our own hardness tester because we were, we were curious. Now, Phantom, I, I think I told you before, when I first went to work in bowling, uh, you know, John didn't originally make chemicals, and so he had sent me to work for DBA. And I only worked up there for about six months before I came down to Kegel and started doing that. And one of the first things they, I did at DBA, they asked me, they said, hey, test the, the UV and the lane conditioner. I said, great. I said, where's the procedure for that? And so I looked at it, and... It was uh, talking about all the. It's talking about using the, the, the ah, sorry, uh, using the spectrometer to get the UV readings, and then. Um, but I realized I said, so where's the standard for this test to calibrate the meter? And they said standard. I said, well, any test, you know, that's supposed to be, you know, supposed to have a reliable, accurate data to a standard somewhere. If the USDC created the test, then they should have a standard. Well, there was no standard for the test. Same thing when I worked for the Department of Agriculture, I made standards for other labs doing pesticide residue analysis. So everyone was always testing to the same spec. So let's flash forward to the bowling balls now. And I looked through the test and I know there is a standard. I read through the test procedure because I had never done it. Uh, but there should be a piece of material that the USBC uses that they should provide to every ball manufacturer to calibrate their instruments so everyone's reading the same. In other words, if I'm trying to do something and I, my tool's giving me this reading, but I'm telling you, hey, your tool should give you the same reading, but not giving you the same material to check it on. Well, we're not working necessarily to the same, same standard. I don't know if I've made sense of that explanation or not, but uh, that was one of the issues I could see possibly playing a role in this. Makes sense to me, Pars. You know, uh, speaking of standards, uh, I remember when uh, I, I went to work for Kegel and, and they got uh, ISO 9000. Uh, you still have that? Yes. And actually, we, we made our own standards for testing and our instruments, so our viscometer, which is a rheometer we use, uh, we have standards we use to calibrate it to make sure that we're getting good readings. Uh, for our pH meter, we calibrate our pH meter regularly to make sure that using standards by the equipment manufacturer to make sure we're getting good readings. And that's where the test starts at, because otherwise, if I did a test in my lab on my equipment and said, all right, everything's got to match this data, but don't give them the same chemicals I use to run that test to another lab, there's no way I could guarantee they could ever match my data. 
Right, right. So, <laughs> so when you ran the test for the pesticides and you ran the tests and all that for the oils, it's probably kind of similar. And I don't know this for a fact, but it's possible that the raw materials of these bowling balls that came in, you know, before they even got to the ball companies, uh, they might have been a little softer from there, right? It's all. It's always a possibility. Now, I'm assuming the manufacturers run their own testing to make sure everything they're doing is good and uh, accurate. So, uh, and using their equipment, they believe they're uh, they're measuring up to what the USBC would like, and they're meeting all qualifications. Yeah, well, so, we don't uh, need any I, more. I, I, Go ahead. Yes. No, I said I'm not in their lab, so I, I honestly don't know how they're doing it. But I I can see when you're running so close to a number, uh, when it comes to the hardness of something that all it takes is a little deviation in, in your instrument, your tool you're using and someone else's tool that, you know, if the ball, if the regulation is 73, that some person could read 74 and some person could read 72. And um, <laughs> that's the unfortunate part of it. Yeah. It's a very tight restriction, a very tight specification. And uh, unfortunately it's another controversy. It's hit bowling and let's hope they get that wrapped up as soon as possible. Well, listen, we only exactly. got a minute or two left. Um, uh, you know, bowling people love stories. Um, and I know you're down there all the time uh, and you're traveling around. Uh, you got any good stories? Uh, it could be about now. It could be about 10 years ago. It could be about when you were in college. It could be anything sure. that you want. Give us a story. Sure. Actually, so as I mentioned, uh, John didn't hire me directly. He got me a job at DBA. DBA used to sell Kegel's Lane Machines and uh, – I think the funniest part of that whole story was the fact that I worked on Evolution, uh, which nicknamed Evolution. And for those of you who remember the Greater Sebring Open, uh, which John decided he was going to use the conditioner for that, uh, insisted I come down and uh, be there for, be there for the tournament. And it was just kind of a last minute, so I had to bring my dog with me. He didn't know I had a Rottweiler either. <laughs> anyway, I'm still a broke college kid, and I got to Orlando, and I couldn't rent a car. My credit card wouldn't work. And I called John on the phone. He said, just get here any way you can. So I said, John, I can get a limo pretty cheap. So I ended up getting a limo, and I rolled into at Kegel Lanes uh, at midnight with a Rottweiler in the limousine uh, running through the bowling center. Of course, everyone was poking their head around and saying, who's this person in a limousine with a Rottweiler? <laughs> and, and that's where I started. Of course, if you remember the Seabring Open, that was um, uh, quite interesting, as you were there with me, Phantom. So it was, uh, <sighs> that was definitely a nervous week for me. I can imagine. <laughs> I, I'm just glad I wasn't in charge because it was a problem that we had that nobody ever saw before. But uh, we worked our way through it. I remember you got everything straightened out. And, and John, once again, he thanked you for being there and, and showing up. But <laughs> all right, parts, I can tell by the old clock in the wall, we are out of time. And I do appreciate you being here with us. And we look forward to talking to all of you again next week. We'll have yet another interesting guest to talk to. I want to thank our sponsors, Storm Bowling and Brad Edelman from the High Roller and Dave Kowalski, the bowling guru from Michigan. You got a closing statement you want to make, my friend? No, just, um, just take a little time each day and uh, remember as you go through life, it, it's never going to be perfect, but Remember, it's just it, it, take each day one day at a time and be, be thankful and blessed for every day that you got while you're here and make the most out of it.
Well said, my friend. Thanks, Dennis. I'll talk to you again soon, my friend. All right. Take care, Phantom. God bless. God bless you. So from Phantom Radio, this is the Phantom. When you're down and troubled and you need some love and care and nothing, well, nothing is going right. Close your eyes and think of me And soon I